fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try to What's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street. RotoStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves here with round three of our AFC 2023 fantasy football projections. We've already hit the east, the north, and now we are going to the south to dive into all of your Titans, Jaguars, Texans, Colts. Going to go into everything. As you can see, I'm by myself today. Co-host had some kid things he had to go take care of. No problem. We'll be live early tomorrow morning, 9.30 a.m. to wrap this series up with the always exciting AFC West. So come on and join us for that one. Truth will be back. But today I will be diving into those aforementioned four teams from the AFC South. And it might seem like a pretty ugly division, you know, Jaguars and what else is there? But really, with some new rookies entering the Texans, the Colts, there's a lot of interesting fantasy intrigue here that I cannot wait to dive into. I think there's some roles that if we can project right and figure out, there's going to be a lot of fantasy value there. So let's waste no more time. We'll start at the top with the Jags, the team I think is the most exciting from this division. I think most would agree. So we will begin with the Jaguars, as always, will go from the, the team level, the holistic level, down to the player level and how, how we see those shares distributing and then how we see those players performing with the slices that they get. And so when I zoom in here to the team level inputs, as you can see, 630 pass attempts versus 450-ish rush attempts, that is the kind of trend we see with Dougie Peterson, he has historically been a very, very pass-happy coach. In fact, he's been top 10 in pass attempts in five of his six seasons. He's never finished lower than 13th in pass attempts. The man likes to throw it after learning under Andy Reid in that West Coast-style offense. So I yet again expect another very, very pass-happy attack here. 6-15 attempts last year. I expect a little bit of a bump up year two with the system, a little more uh, familiarity there. And if you look back there, I think is a ton of room for this offense to grow and just overall pace. They were 18 over league average in terms of plays run last year. But you look at Peterson's early history with the Eagles, 130 plays over, 130 plays over again uh, the next season, 78 plays over the season before that. So we have definitely seen Doug Peterson move at a fast pace, run a ton of plays. And as we know, the more plays there are run, the more fantasy point chances we have. So I think over 32 league average that could be conservative here so just keep that in mind as well uh, how do we now see this all shaking out that's the team level perspective in terms of pace and total plays and what we're expecting there uh, another boost up because of that second year in the system how do we see it? let's start with trevor lawrence he's certainly the most intriguing and a lot of people's favorite pick to break into that next tier the elite cheat code style quarterbacks and i think he could but there'll definitely have to be a few things to go right for that to happen. So as you can see here, I project a pretty big aerial pie, 4,680 yards with 30 touchdowns. That's a healthy amount of pie for these guys to eat. And then also, and I love this about Trevor Lawrence, there is some sneaky and I think untapped Konami upside. He's great at the goal line. We've seen him call his own number before. So I think that is also a potential spot for him to continue to grow uh, four touchdowns to six touchdowns on the ground. What a huge difference that could make 
uh, this season. So I think that's a healthy amount of volume for Trevor Lawrence. Now, keep in mind, too, in year two of this system and with Trevor Lawrence's talent, that 30 touchdowns could also be conservative. Now, he's only thrown for 25 as a career high so far. But if that jumped up to 40 this year, that's when we would see that cheat code, that next level of Trevor Lawrence. And with the additions of Calvin Ridley here, the return of Evan Ingram, it's not without the realm of possibility that Trevor Lawrence could hit 40 touchdowns. And this is just too conservative here at 30. But I thought that's a nice balance of what he's done and where he could be in the future. How do I see all of that shaking out? Well, Calvin Ridley walks right in and I think he's going to be the biggest mouth to feed. As you can see, 22% share, 139 targets going his way. But as we've seen with Doug Peterson, he does like to share the rock, spread it out to a ton of receivers at the Cross's Eagles tenure. There's only one 1,000-yard receiver in that span. So this would be a little bit of a departure. But as you can see, you know, 139, 113, 101, 101 also going here to the tight end. I don't think it's a huge just alpha. It never will be in a Peterson offense. I just think the aerial pie is so big here that even with a fairly distributed pie, we'll get four players crossing over into 100-plus targets, especially considering he doesn't, for whatever reason, like to throw it to his running backs, only 9% combined uh, share for the two big guys there. Maybe Jamaica Hasty makes it 11 with a little bit more, but not a ton of work, even though it should be going to ETN. I never understand why, and we'll get to him in a little bit, why I think he's one of the most overrated players in fantasy. Uh, it just, for whatever reason, Peterson has never liked to throw to running backs, even when he's got an option like um, Travis ETN here. So Calvin Ridley, what do I expect him to do with 139 targets? Well, I had him right around his career average, 13.2 yards per catch, all the early reports are he's head and shoulders above the other talents here. And that's it. That's saying something because Christian Kirk coming off a great season. saw 23% target share really anchored the game, but he's definitely more comfortable as a slot guy facing number twos. You can't overestimate how big of a trickle down effect Calvin really being there, not only on the target share, but also how efficient these guys can be when he's drawing number ones. And now Kirk and Zay Jones are feasting on twos and threes. I really could see I bumped up everybody's yards per catch just a little bit compared to last year, given I expect a little more efficiency in year two and with Ridley helping everybody out from a coverage perspective. Uh, and that's also, again, another reason why Trevor Lawrence could just go bananas if they can really identify those mismatches here. I have 113 targets going to Christian Kirk for 76, 988 and seven touchdowns. That's right around what he's done with a little bump in touchdowns throughout his career, where he was that number two in Arizona to DeAndre Hopkins uh, with maybe a little more target share than what he would have seen with him. And then Zay Jones, you know, over 120 targets, 23% share. It was crazy last year. And he really did solid. Some really good spike weeks was one of the best, best ball receivers you could have invested in. And he's never had more than five touchdowns. So I think, you know, 68 catches, 748 and four. That seems about right for him. Some big splash weeks, but now a, a distant third, maybe even fourth, considering I also see Evan Ingram seeing that 100 targets with a little more receptions. He actually caught 74% no hand stone cold Ingram there. Ultimately proved everybody wrong. Uh, caught far more balls than he historically does. So that was great to see on his. And that's a Doug Peterson staple using the tight end from Zach Ertz to Dallas. Goddard to Evan Ingram last year it has always been the case that he loves to use his tight ends so I definitely could see another 100-ish targets 98 last year a few more even with Ridley there just because again I see that pie rising and all the ships rising with it so I definitely could see a nice season there 
for Evan Ingram in his bounce back. Just another kind of boom or bust one, though. There's plenty of weeks last year where he got you absolutely nothing. But when he boomed, you know, 40-point day last year, one of the highest among all tight ends, the second highest score behind only Taysom Hill at the position. And then Travis Kelsey was right there, too. So a lot of upside to Evan Ingram, even if it will be a little bit boomer and bustier. Uh, than you typically would want. That's what you get from tight ends anyways, though. So moving forward then to the run game and looking at Travis Etienne, I think he's one of the most overrated picks you can make in fantasy, not because I don't like the player. In fact, I have him going for five yards a pop, a nice efficient uh, back there, getting over a 1,000 yards. But they still like to use him in the passing game, as you could see last year. You know, He had around 74% of the snaps by the time James Robinson was jettisoned, he was that featured back. He still only finishes the running back 21 in fantasy. Uh, just a lot of things did not go his way. Um, it's certainly at the goal line. And that was one of the biggest areas of concern for Travis Etienne. Uh, he was towards, I think he was top 10 in goal line carries. I'm just pulling up that stat right here. So Travis Etienne, 45 red zone touches, was ninth in, in the league there. And he ultimately carried it 23 times inside the 10-yard line, which was also top 10, converted just four of those into touchdowns. And then they go and draft Big Tank Bigsby, big thick guy, good goal line converter. I imagine the touchdown opportunities will continue to be very, very skewed. So the fact that he had this much opportunity, Travis Etienne still only scored five touchdowns on over 60% of the work, over 75% of the work for half the season and still only averaged 12.1 fantasy points per game, running back 23. Like the player, and if he did somehow get a spike in passing game usage all of a sudden, I'd like him even more. But it's just a big concern here that has to be factored in. And I definitely do not think going in round three, four turn ahead of Najee Harris often, just not for me, not a Travis Etienne guy. But as you can see, I do project some decent work for Tank Bigsby. They're saying there's going to be some games, if he gets the hot hand, he might actually outcarry. Travis Etienne, Doug Peterson, all offseason before drafting Bigsby. We need to add a guy. We're going to add guys. And here we are. So I expect, you know, uh, as you can see here in terms of rushing distribution, closer to you know, 4830. So definitely the lion's share going to Etienne, but nibbling into there is Tank Bigsby. And that's just enough for me to really just never draft Travis Etienne at his current price based on these projections. But let me know what you guys think. Am I crazy with this Jaguars team? Definitely the most intriguing. And as I said it at the top when looking at Lawrence, 30 touchdowns, definitely a jump in what he had last year. But if he jumped to 40, I wouldn't even be shocked. Remember, he closed out the season with three of his final six games with 30-plus points. There's that like week 12 to 15 stretch where he was just cooking three-plus touchdowns in three of those four games, including a rushing touchdown as well. I thought that might be a glimpse of what we could see stretch out for a full season, given how good he finally seemed. Uh, it really got comfortable in the offense. And now he has Calvin Ridley. If this jumps all the way to 40 and you know these receivers are just all ridiculous values at their price, wouldn't shock me at all. So very excited about this Jaguars team. Definitely have been drafting a fair amount of the receiving products, just not Travis Etienne. But let me know what you guys think here in the comments. Let me know, of course, any questions you have. Looks like none have come in yet. Let me know you're here. Say hello. And of course, that thumbs up button. If you're enjoying the show, whether you're live with us or catching the replay, it really does help us get out to more people. So come on in, say hello, give us that thumbs up. And if you're new to the channel, do consider subscribing so we can continue to give you all your fantasy insight, pave that path to 2022 titles. Alrighty, folks, let's look quickly now. Uh, quickly, I think we got a, a, quite a bit to dive into here with your 2023 
Houston Texans. They draft CJ Stroud. They bring in an entirely new coaching staff. So we have a lot of unknowns here, but definitely have been doing a ton of research into what could be the offense and what we could expect here. So the offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, very intriguing to me, comes from the Kyle Shanahan system, was their passing game coordinator last year. He comes in with Demeco Ryan, their experience together, coaching on the same team last year. They stay together. They have that chemistry. And we haven't gotten a ton of hints as to what this offense is going to look like, but he has alluded to, we're going to be fast, physical, we are tough. It's a team that when you leave after playing us, you say that's a very aggressive, fast, and decisive team that knows what they are doing. So all those buzzwords that you like to hear, fast pace, aggressive, things that you like, and things you've come to expect under a Shanahan slash Kubiak treaty. In fact, Slowick saying, I watched a ton of Texans film before coming here because it is that Kubiak tree that we've been all groomed under. And you can think about so many great backfields under the Kubiak Shanahan system. That great, just get people in space. You establish the run with that inside outside zone game. And then from there, you open up tons of these pockets for space for your receivers, for your tight end to do a ton of work, including the running backs as well after the catch. Uh, it's a great system. It's a great offense. It's why there's so many from the Rams, all these different variations in there in the NFL. And Slowick saying it's going to be a little bit different from the 49ers, but I'm going to be putting my own kind of twist on what has, they've already established as a great marrying that run and pass and letting it thrive there. Already in practices, they, apparently you're seeing tons of motion, tons of these let's find ways to get these mismatches. That's what Shanahan Slowick said. I really took away from him is you can find one mismatch and then you just pepper the hell out of it. That's the exact words. I think it was rip the tread off the football going after whatever that mismatch is. We'll, we'll probably see a similar type of philosophy. Historically, with Shanahan's offense over these last few years that Slowick's been there, they've been about 50-50 run pass, 533, 526 pass rush, 528, 518, a little bit below league average. It, you know, They do play pretty aggressive, but then as they get leads, they really like to slow the pace down, and we'll see if Slowick embraces that. In fact, I don't know that he'll be able to because the 49ers had a great defense to ride on these last couple of years. But you look back to the last season, where their defense was subpar and we saw 57% pass to 43% run. And that's kind of the offense I expect right around that 570, 440, uh, 570 passes, 443 rushes. I think we get something like that type of balance, a little bit below league average, but with a bad defense, even with a couple nice injections in the draft this year, I think they're going to have to push the pace a little more than they might like to have to throw a little more than they'd probably hope to on the arm of CJ Stroud. Let's move on to C.J. Stroud and talk about him. I actually am really into C.J. Stroud. I know the final numbers here don't look overly impressive. I actually am going to bump up this yards per carry because he is a good athlete. It's an untapped Konami ceiling. I think in a 49ers style offense, with a lot of bootlegs, a lot of getting him on the move. We're going to see a double um, that type of rushing output. So I'm going to bump that up. And I do think, you know, these 24 touchdowns, maybe that climbs closer to 30 uh, as the as we get more feel of who's going to be catching what and how this is all going to shake out. But I like C.J. Stroud. I thought he was my favorite rookie in this class, most accurate QB for sure. And certainly that's all you really need to be successful if this offense does mimic the, uh, the 49ers that we've seen. You just got to get that ball, hit your receiver in stride and let them do their thing. CJ Stroud can do that as well as anybody in this class. So really, really big fan of him. Excited to see what he does, even as a rookie. I think there's going to be plenty of games where they are chasing points and he is going to be chucking the rock all over the place. It's the, Now the question becomes, who is he chucking it to? 
And I can't even pretend to have a firm answer to that. But as you can see, I've been picturing a very evenly distributed passing game. As of right now, I don't see a clear-cut standout option here among this receiving core. Uh, But it's wide open, given that last year, 357 vacated targets, most in the league. 64% of their target percentage last year, vacated, most in the league. 70% of their air yards, most in the league. So there's a ton of opportunity here for all these new faces that have come in to come in, take over. The only real remaining guy is Nico Collins. And there's questions, in my opinion, about whether he's a great fit or not. So let's kind of just go through what I expect in these target distributions, you know, 18% going to Robert Woods, the crafty veteran coming off a now a full year removed from that ACL surgery. He was okay last year too. Nine targets, not bad from him. In fact, Robert Woods, this kind of stat crazy to me. He has not been under 20% target share all the way dating back to his Buffalo days since 2016, even had a 20% target share. So 18 is out of line with what he has done in the games he has been active for. But I just see so many mouths to feed, and he's the grizzled veteran. He does have you know good experience in the Shanahan-style scheme, playing with the Rams. I think that's you – know, you saw them go right after Robert Woods as soon as he got released – Signed him to a pretty solid deal there. So I do think he leads the way with his 104 targets. Catches about 65% right in line with his, his averages there, 8-16-4. And, and he's been an okay t- touchdown score. We've seen seven and eight touchdown seasons out of Robert Woods. So maybe there's some room for that to bump up. Uh, but I do think more of the touchdowns will fall to the tight end, who I actually project tied for a second. Dalton Schultz in target share. We've seen him log 100 target seasons in his past. He is capable of anchor that, as we covered on our tight end top 15 show. Oh, catch all those ranking shows if you haven't already. Great insight into all of them, uh, breaking down a ton of players. But they talked about Dalton Schultz, how much I love this overall offense. That's why I came here, that Shanahan tree, the way they designed the play designs to get your tight ends in space and we see how they use Kittle deep he just liked everything he saw that's why he decided to choose them and their coach saying D'Amico Ryan's big target quarterback friendly he's done a ton of damage against us throughout our times against him in the NFC so I'm excited to bring him here with us you often see that coach Hatley respects the player he's had the scheme against he brings him in and then uses him just as heavily so I see a similar load to when he was with Dallas 78 808 and eight touchdowns just two seasons ago as a tight end three that year. Now, not quite as an explosive offense, maybe a slight downgraded quarterback. We've already heard good praise from Noah Brown saying Stroud could be as good, if not a lot better than Dak Prescott. So, hey, maybe, maybe not. We'll find out. But I think the volume will certainly be there anywhere between 90 to 100 so targets is a fair thing for Dalton Schultz. And that tight end, that is reliable. He's going as a tight end 13. I love that price. Um, so I, I project him here. At 7-10, seven touchdowns. I think that's going to end up coming out with the top, you know, eight tight end projection just based on the fact that he could he could lead this team in targets. I mean, you know, if it's not Robert Woods, if it's not the exciting rookie Tank Dell, uh, it could definitely be Dalton Schultz here. So we're going to continue to monitor training camp, and then these will be adjusted as we go to highlight who's building that nice rapport with C.J. Stroud. And speaking of Tank Dell, I have him at wide receiver three, early favorite to be the slot. So that does bump up his catch percentage. I think a lot of Easy design throws go his way. Now, there's a lot to love and there's a lot to hate about Tank Dell. So I guess I can get the the bad parts out of the way here in that he is a complete outlier. If he succeeds, he'd be one of the first at his size. He's 5'8", 165 pounds. Since 2000, there's never been an NFL receiver shorter or lighter than him. 
and averaging. No one's ever averaged over 11 fantasy points per game at this size since 2000. So he would definitely be a big outlier, but he's been a huge outlier at the college level, leading the nation with 291 targets across his past two seasons. Also leading with receptions, 199 yards, 2027, uh, 2,727 rather, and second in the nation with 29 touchdowns across his last two years. So for a 5'8 guy, that tells me the guy's got the dog in him. If you can score that many from all levels of the field, he runs tough once he has the ball. Uh, and they've already just been raving about him so far in camp that even though his offense is a bit different than what he's used to at from Houston, that kind of spread out air raid style, that just is a very beautiful scheme that he really thrived in. Definitely a different offense, but they're talking about how fast he's picking it up, how much energy he brings when he's out there, how different this complexion of the offense is with a speedster that can do it after the catch, that can spread the defense. He can do it all. I'm a really big fan of this guy. He's, in fact, my most owned player in early best ball drafts. So I think he thrives. I think he's a big playmaker. And and C.J. Stroud, the fact that he begged the team to draft him and they listen, bang the table. Let's go. I like that narrative quite a bit for him. But maybe it's it's Nico Collins. The early comps, he was told to watch Julio Jones tape from his coach as the big body guy in the Shanahan offense, how they could potentially use him. I will be the last person who ever compared Nico Collins and Julio Jones outside of the fact that they're both big boys and that they both are pretty fast for their size. You know, 4-4-5 for Nico Collins, 4-3-4 for Julio Jones. That's about it. <laughs> you know, it's a big size guy that they're talking about. Maybe we can move to the slot. I personally don't see this being much of a seamless th- uh, fit there. So, you know, a guy that's averaged 53% catch rate on his career, I bumped up a little bit in a higher percentage attack, but he's only scored two touchdowns in back-to-back years. So even with that big frame, he hasn't necessarily been maximizing it. And then you add in Woods and Tank Dell and Dalton Schultz. He had every opportunity to emerge as that guy last year, Nico Collins, and sure, he was playing with jack shit, but I just don't think he's that good. So, you know, 14% target share as the wide receiver, too. Clearly, I like Tank down more. Nico Collins going five, six rounds earlier than him. Not a guy I am ending up with much. But I did want to highlight the fact that they're trying to use him as the, that next big body Julio Jones-style receiver in there. He has similar traits in terms of athleticism, but I don't think he is even a 15th of the receiver that Julio Jones ever was. So I don't think he'll put up a 15th of the stats that we saw a crazy, you know, like almost 2,000-yard season. Not, not happening here. So I'm not on the Nico Collins train. Especially John Mechie, another guy that is going to nibble at people's cheese. Him and Tank Dell. be interesting to see who does win that slot because if it is John Mechie, then Tank Dell is going to have to get projected significantly lower. There's definitely some ceiling with John Mechie. Loved him coming out of Alabama. So whoever ends up being that you know safety blanket, in addition to Donald Schultz, we know he's going to be it, but somebody's going to get peppered in that sense. So that's how I see things kind of shaking out from a pass catcher role. So none of these guys ultimately being huge successes, no one on the top 35 or so receivers, but the highest upside, in my opinion, is Tank Dell. And of course, Dalton Schultz, one of the best values at tight ends you can get. And Robert Woods, if you're you know looking for some desperate last round production at receiver in an early best ball draft, he's going to have a few big games as the veteran presence, as a, a familiar with the scheme. I think he's going to be pretty solid, you know, the eight to 12 points a game with very few spikes. But a nice floor there for Robert Woods. So that's how I see the pass catchers. Let me talk about one of my favorite picks in all of fantasy that year. That's clearly Damian Pierce. I'm at RB14. Uh, and we'll see how he shakes up projection-wise where he comes out. But I absolutely love so much about his setup this year and what could uh, what he could potentially do. Let's just talk about, just in general, Shanahan, Kubiak, running backs. You could look at any team over the last 25 years, and it's, if it's been molded around this system – 
I'd say about 18 of those 25 have been borderline top 12 running backs because of how damn good this inside-outside zone scheme is just for the running game. They have big athletic linemen there in Houston, and they didn't really use them well. They never brought them in space. They've already talked about how often they're pulling and getting these big maulers and out into the edge so they can clear some lanes for Damian Pierce, a guy that thrived on zone concepts throughout his college career, very successful on those type of runs. We'll see how that translates in this offense. Um, they've typically been a committee, you know, Mostert, Jeff Wills, whatever it's been. But we've also seen Shanahan, you know, with Carlos Hyde give over 60% of the carries. And I think Damian Pierce is just as good, if not better, than Carlos Hyde was. So they're not opposed to it. And they did sign Devin Singletary, but to a very small contract. So I do think Damian Pierce will see a pretty big lion share, 52% of the carries compared to 30% for Singletary. That ends up equating to about 230 total. And I do think, you know, after averaging around 4.3 yards per pop in this next system, we've seen running backs jump a whole yard per carry. and wouldn't shock me at all if Damian Pierce benefited from that. And certainly rushing touchdowns often go up within this scheme. But the big thing would be the usage as a receiver. You see, look no further than McCaffrey, who we've seen Damian Pierce be instructed to now watch the tape on. Look how he thrived as a receiver when he arrived. In fact, once he arrived there, Pro uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, he hauled in 52 passes, 40, 464 yards, and four touchdowns in just 11 games. I mean, that is nearly five catches a game, nearly 50 yards a game. Uh, he was beast. He's the highest graded PFF receiving back in that time. So we know this offense likes to involve the running backs. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is maybe the best receiving back that's ever played the game. So, yes, he's going to dictate more volume than typical, but even just a bump to 45, 50 targets would be huge for Damian Pierce. Maybe the biggest obstacle in his way of getting that bump, and let me just kind of show where I have him at, 46 targets, 334 uh, receptions for 238 and 2. That would go a long way. One of the biggest obstacles would definitely be pass protection. He was one of the lowest graded backs, but one of the tweets that I think is going under the radar, the running back coach saying it's night and day, how much he has improved and sees the big picture as a blocker picking things up. So even just, you know, becoming a 50% third down type of snap player would be huge for him. So I absolutely love this offense overall for running backs. Certainly at Damian Pierce, I don't think he'll get that 73% opportunity share six best last year that he saw last year, uh, you know, in 2022, but even at just 60% in a much better overall offense, certainly getting more receiving work, I would see that elevating his prospects. When he finishes the running back 20 last year, he's going at that, you know, even cheaper than that right now. So you're buying him at his floor in a ceiling type of offense situation that I think really could just have Damian Pierce light it up. Singletary, it will get the scraps. And, and if anything happens to Damian Pierce, we're talking about an amazing handcuff situation to be a lead back in a Shanahan-inspired scheme. Um, but we will have to, that's kind of more of just a, a handcuff with benefits situation. I still think a nice efficient season. I like Singletary more than probably most people out there, a good pass protector as well. So maybe he becomes a 70 target guy and takes all the work and Pierce has moved to the bench. We will see how things are playing out there, but I clearly am projecting Pierce for around 65% total of the opportunities here. And I think he's going to thrive on it. I've currently ranked as my running back 14 and a guy I am eating up in round six every single time he is there. So that is, will be our Houston Texans there. Let's move on. And again, if you're here with us, thumbs up would be so greatly appreciated to continue to help us get out more people. Uh, it would be so appreciated. Of course, get your questions. And I don't see any questions, comments yet, but I would be more than happy. Let me know you're here. Say hello, Charlie, or whoever's out there. Let me know you're watching. So I know I'm not just talking to complete and utter space right now. Uh, it looks like there's about 10 to 15 of you here, and I'd love to hear 
whatever I can do to help answer your questions. We're going to move on now to the Indianapolis Colts, uh, a team I cannot wait to break down. There is so much variability here with the 2023 Colts. Is Anthony Richardson going to start right away? If so, are they going to completely maximize his skill set? And my answer to both of those is yes and yes in my early projections. We will find out, of course, as training camp goes. But I love the setup. I couldn't picture a better landing spot for Anthony Richardson in terms of the right coaches, the guys that are going to mold an offense right to his strengths and really let him thrive. So let's dive on in to my Indianapolis projections. So Shane Stecken, he comes over as the head coach. He was the offensive coordinator, took over play calling duties for the Eagles over the last, uh, towards the end of 2021. And then all of last year, when they really took off, Shane Stecken was the play caller there. Uh, Ultimately, I think this is going to compare to two seasons ago when he took over the reins of the play calling duty, where it was 514 pass attempts, 561 rush attempts, a 48 to 52% ratio, right around league average and plays run. I think we can expect something similar. That was Jalen Hurts' first year, uh, really as the full-time starter. And they they took the training wheels off as the season went. They'd certainly let him run the entire time. But in terms of as a passer, they, they were very conservative that first year. And I think we'll see something similar with Anthony Richardson coming in as such a raw player, somebody that has – limitless ceiling. I cannot wait to talk about this kid. Uh, But I do think they will definitely take it slow, feature Jonathan Taylor, feature Richardson's legs as he continues to evolve into a better and better NFL passer. The early reports out of camp so far are that Anthony Richardson has been extremely impressive. Uh, He's blowing them away. Everyone talking about how raw he was going to be. The coach is saying, we're not seeing any of that right now. We love his leadership. We love how he's making all these short and intermediate throws. So maybe he's a better passer than he's getting credit for. Uh, There's definitely some red flags there. But as an overall team, I expect to run more run attempts than pass attempts as they kind of protect him and he ages in. But let's talk about Richardson. Clearly, I'm projecting him to win the starting role and just thrive. And they've already talked about how that's a very real possibility. They're not one of those teams that are letting – Gardner Minshew is very capable. So it's not a lock that Richardson does win it outright. If he's as raw as he, you know, a lot of people were worried about, then maybe they do start with Minshew and he takes over half a year. That would definitely take a big – uh, big stock out of Anthony Richardson as a redraft guy, still one of the best draft uh, upside quarterbacks in dynasty. But this is projecting clearly that I think he is going to start the year. And I have him at 58% completion potential. Let's talk about him as a player and his setup so far. Again, you couldn't be asked to be under better coaching staff. When, when Steichen took over last year, they ended up engineering the third highest scoring offense uh 27.2 and third most yards in the nfl 389.1 fifth in rushing ninth in passing fourth and third down percentage and then across the last two seasons no team has rushed for more yards so that's why i think they're going to be leaning in there but definitely a bright mind he was great for jalen hurts who's behind only josh allen pat mahomes across the last two seasons in points per game total 23 and a half justin herbert had his best year as a rookie which typically is not true. Uh, when he threw for 31 passing touchdowns and 289 passing yards per game after missing the first three starts, they handed him the keys and he lit it up, averaging nearly 23 points per game, over six more points than he did last year. So he has been a QB whisperer, Steichen. He even had Philip Rivers have a career renaissance in one of his last years there with 
the Chargers. And so I really like he, he, what he talks so much about is molding the game to the QB and how he was absolutely in love with the potential games he could craft uh, with with uh, Anthony Richardson. There's so much that he quote, quote brings to the table that we're so excited about set stacking after they drafted him. Uh, so I definitely really, really am a big fan of this landing spot and think it is a, a perfect spot for him to grow and learn and be utilized as clearly as a rusher, 158 carries 790 and 11 touchdowns. Anthony Richardson is like a big, strong, faster Cam Newton, but he he's six foot four, two forty four, four four three forty. 240. That's like a D end 40 and a half inch vertical. Not that you need a vertical for a QB, but it just shows you that this guy is the, the highest ceiling prospect, maybe to ever enter the NFL. Of course, the fact that he completed only 53.8% of his, his throws, it's a big concern because accuracy is the, obviously the, the way you last as an NFL QB. Being dynamic doesn't hurt, but if you're not accurate, you're not making those short to intermediate throws, you're not going to last long in the NFL. So he has to, of course, improve on that 53.8% completion percentage. Very volatile in terms of his decision-making. And there's a lot of rough edges here, but it sounds like they've been very smoothed out and I didn't even mention Jim Bob Cooter, one of my favorite coordinators, uh, you know, rookie year Jared Goff, and so many guys. Stafford helped develop him. There's definitely a good track record with the coaching staff here. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, even in his rookie year last year, um, rather, helped, he was part of the Doug Peterson, you know, getting Trevor Lawrence's legs back under him. So definitely a really good quarterback whisperer in terms of Bob Cooter, Trevor Shane Steichen. Like these are both great guys for him to learn under. Um, so now how do I see that all shake out? So again, 158, 790 and 11, like that's the big thing at quarterback. Cause with only 16 touchdowns, that's how many we saw Jalen hurts throw his first full year as a starter. Uh, that rushing stuff is going to be what really boys. And that's really the only reason to draft them is that Konami upside as a bigger, faster, stronger Cam Newton. Uh, so I don't expect a big aerial pie. I think that's really going to hurt. As you can see, these receivers, yeah, 21% target share only means 108 targets. And if the accuracy is as bad as they're saying, you know, 56% catch rate right around what Michael Pittman is anyways, uh, it's worrisome. It's absolutely worrisome. So I put up the yards per reception, just given the cannon arm, I you can really rope it deep, Anthony Richardson. So I think a lot of these guys will see spikes in how much production they do put up per catch. But their catch rates are going to go down. The overall volume is certainly going to go down. And so you can see here, you know, none of these guys, particularly Pittman, who's going in around five or six, I just I haven't drafted him in a single draft yet. 840 yards, three touchdowns, 60 catches. Yeah, that's a far cry of what he's become used to here. And he's been a volume monster. And he's really needed that volume to actually thrive. I just don't know that Bill Pittman's that great of a player. He's good you know, solid number two receiver. I don't think he's a true anchor. Uh, and these kind of numbers bear that out. Alec Pierce, in fact, intrigues me a little bit more at the price tag, given that he goes around 12, 13, Michael Pittman go around five or six. Give me the discounted guy that has that deep speed, especially in best ball where I don't have to predict the boom weeks. I think him and, and Anthony Richardson really seems like a good skill set schematic, uh, a better souped up Quez Watkins type of guy to stretch that field and make some great contested catches. Now, Reggie Wayne did say Josh Downs, the best receiver in this class. So maybe I am being a little light on having him only at 77 targets, 15% share. We could see that bump up, but he's hurt all camp. And I don't know. I, Reggie Wayne has his opinion. And certainly I trust him more than myself, but I also didn't love Josh Downs. I like him as a slot guy. I just don't know if that's really going to be 
where we see Richardson thrive and where we see Richardson used. So yeah, 537 and touchdown, just not that much I'm worried about behind him. Not much, but Jelani Woods being rumored to be the, that uh, Dallas Goddard type of role, which has been a staple of this Eagles offense. Um, they love to get the, the guy running deep down the seams. Also after the catch opportunities and Jelani Woods is a good athlete. Uh, he, he certainly can bring a bunch to the table. Um, so he's the, the quote unquote from the indie star is he's the most likely to take on that role. He's the only one that has shown the athleticism to stretch the field the way Goddard can. And this is a big body, you know, six foot six. He can catch, he, he go deep. He averaged 12.5 yards per reception and averaged up the target of 10.7. That's solid. Very, very solid for a tight end. So I could see Jelani Woods being a nice sleeper, but again, is there going to be enough aerial pie to feed him? But Dallas Goddard, you know, 16% target share before AJ Brown got there. And I see that kind of be what this offense resembles. And it was mediocre. You know, Devonta Smith, 20% target share, but still only put up 916 yards and a handful of touchdowns. So it's worrisome in that sense for the pass catchers. There's not a ton of guys I'm forcing out there, even though I like Richardson as a fantasy player, it's really because of the legs. The main attraction here, though, and, and maybe I should have just kicked off with him, is Jonathan Taylor. Last year's unanimous number one pick in standard and often half PPR leagues. Really, only Christian McCaffrey was a guy you'd consider in PPR above Taylor. And he really disappointed, unfortunately. Got hurt, was misused. Matt Ryan sucked. The line took a big step backwards. I think this is definitely a situation that Taylor could rebound in, benefiting from the see so many studies done on a mobile quarterback and how that improves the cutback lanes and the defense can't overplay because they, they overplay Taylor and boom, Anthony Richardson, four, four forty is zipping a bootleg right around you. It's going to be such a nightmare in that RPO that we've seen the staple of Shane Stecken's offense over there with the Eagles. That's going to be a nightmare for defenders with the Colts right now uh, with this beast. So I really think Jonathan Taylor rebounds. Now, I don't think we get back to the, the 330 carries of two years ago that we saw. Uh, but I do think, you know, 280, nearly 60% of the work beyond just Anthony Richardson taking 30% or so of the pie. I think all of that is very, very viable here for Jonathan Taylor. Um, and just pulling up a couple of my quick notes on him. Uh so, you know, 18 touchdowns, 1,811 yards two seasons ago. I just don't think we're going to get to that level. And that's why I, I actually haven't gotten, despite loving the player, Jonathan Taylor, I do think the touchdowns are capped. When you have a guy like Richardson, you're, what do you have, 20 rushing touchdowns in college? Just kind of like that Cam Newton dunk style guy. You're going to call his number plenty, just like we saw Jalen Hurts put up 13 and 10 touchdowns the past two seasons. It's impossible to not have that hurt Jonathan Taylor's ultimate scoring output this year, but still 11 touchdowns. You saw Miles Sanders put up double-digit touchdowns last year, and Taylor is 10,000 times the, the running back that he is. So I still think he's a very viable pick if he falls to round two. I, I still really like Jonathan Taylor. Him and Saquon are, are neck and neck for me. Derrick Henry as well. Uh, that makes it tricky. Which one do you go with? Maybe the younger best running back in the league just a year ago type of situation. I still think, you know, 46 targets, fairly reasonable for him. Uh, but the thing is you often do see targets drop for running backs with a mobile quarterback. They often will just run for the first themselves. Lamar Jackson's never seen a running back have more than 40 targets. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is running backs last year. They were bottom in the league with like a 6% target rate. It was very, very low. So that might be a little ambitious. I might, I might revisit this 46 targets, actually. Uh, certainly 70 targets to total running backs. I'm not going to project that. So I'll revisit that. Maybe a slight bump to all these receivers at the expense of Taylor's receiving work. But either way, you're drafting him for his rushing work. You're drafting him for the deadly RPO. 
that they're going to create. And yes, the touchdowns do get capped by Richardson, but I think the efficiency, in fact, I'm going to bump this efficiency up to, to 4.9 because that's already what he's pretty much capable of. And then you, you open up that rushing lane. So I think that's a fair uh, assessment there. So let me just make sure this saves. And that kind of wraps up my Colts. Intrigued by the quarterback, intrigued by the running back, and then everybody else, you know, other than maybe Pierce at his price and Jelani Woods as a last-round tight end throw, I'm not drafting Pittman. Uh, I just I don't project enough passing game volume based on what I expect this offense to be. All righty. And that will bring us to our final team here, <laughs> the ugliest team, the most predictable team, though, the 2023 Titans. Uh, not something that anybody is probably overly enthused or really, really wants uh, to to dive into. But hey, we're at the AFC South, and there is at least one monster that you all know of from this Titans team. So let's pull up here the Tennessee Titans, and we'll talk about how I think their fantasy season goes and who to care about beyond Derrick Henry. Not much. Spoiler. Uh, so I do project, similar to their history under Mike Rabel, under Derrick Henry, really. They have been a more run-heavy than pass-heavy team in all but one of the last six seasons. And I think that will absolutely continue this season. You know, over 500 rush attempts in three straight, you know, four, 554, 569, and 501 in their three last seasons. So I definitely think another 500-plus attempts, assuming Henry holds up, is well in line with the expectations. I think minus 66 of the league average is also very fair. Minus 83 plays last year, minus 91 four years ago, minus 42. They were a pretty up-tempo team just two seasons ago, but I, I don't think we get back there. This is just an ugly overall. Let's grind out games, ride Derrick Henry, and see what happens. So big, big ground pie. So even with just 65% of it, which Henry's been a 75-plus percent guy in all but one of the last to uh, last five seasons, I think it drops down a little bit to 65% because they draft Tajay Spears. All the talk so far has been they're going to feed Tajay Spears as much as they can handle. He's the most impressive player in early OTAs, both as a pass catcher and a running back. I'll believe that when I see it. I, 100 carries behind Derrick Henry would be the most in a long time, and I think Spears is that that big of a talent. I love that gets slippery despite his small stature and, and small school status was the most impressive player. Um, during during the pro game, what the, whatever the hell they call that game, uh, the, the the college um, senior bowl <laughs> slipped my mind there for a second. Uh, but he won the award as the most impressive player among everybody there. He scored four touchdowns, 219 yards from scrimmage on 18 touches against USC, their best competition they faced all year. He thrived. So I really like Tajay Spears. I think he's a great heir apparent, even at just 5'9". Not the biggest guy, but so damn slippery. Averaging 21, he had 21 touchdowns last year, tied for the most in the NFL. So he can score despite his smaller status as well. Very powerful and slippery uh, in that sense. So I like Tajay Spears a lot. All that to say, though, Derrick Henry clearly still projecting a monster season. 332, 1494, 13 touchdowns. He's always averaged around 4% or higher rushing touchdown percentage. He has not been under 4.5 yards per carry in a long, long time as well. So I think just keeping that, even with an offense that I expect, well, I don't even think we bother talking about Tannehill and Will Levis, honestly. You're not drafting either of them. I don't think, unless Levis took over right from the start, and he is mobile. Both these guys are mobile. That's why I also had the, the QBs combining for, I believe, 12%. Yeah, 12% of the carries. That's been about what Tannehill has seen 
They call his number a decent amount to stripe. I think they'll do the same with Will Levis. But as you can see, I split this up like you between two of them. And even if you combined it, 22 touchdowns and 3,500-ish yards, nothing all that special. Uh, the rushing touchdowns would maybe buoy one of them if they were the starter all year. But even then, it's not much. You're really only worried about Derrick Henry. So back to the featured attraction. He did set a career high with 2.6 targets per game last year. But I do think Tajay Spears walks right into a big target share. Let me just kind of look at what I expect this target share to be. So 11% going to Tajay Spears. That would be the most the running backs ever seen uh, under the variable era. But I, I really think in the early OTAs, they've been splitting them out wide, moving them around, and there's really no one else here other than Traylon Brooks. A whopping 27% target share. Now, that doesn't end up being much because of how low I expect this pie to be. In fact, I believe I had Calvin Ridley at like eight, like 19% target share, seeing more total targets because I just think that pie for the Jags will be that much bigger. But still, Traylon Burks, all the early reports are, one, just in better shape, not having the asthma attacks throughout camp. Hey, that's good. Uh, but also, two, that he's been the first read that him and Tannehill are getting out there early and often before practice. And then in practice, it's the first and really only guy Tannehill's been looking for. And, and who can blame him when you got Nick, West, Nick Westbrook, Akini, Kyle Phillips. And I do actually kind of like Chris Moore coming over from the Texans. He seems to produce every time he's put in there. But overall, Big, big fan of Traylon Burks. I see nothing really in his way of 128 targets. Uh, and he, he you know, was labeled the bigger Debo Samuel coming in the league. And we saw glimpses of that. Some really nice flashes down the stretch as he finally had his conditioning under him. So assuming he hits the ground running, he's one of those really intriguing picks. Goes around Gabe Davis and Jahan Dotson. And, and I think one of those three guys is really going to light it up this year. Uh, good luck figuring out who it is. But I clearly project Burks to be the most stable volume-wise of those guys just in a much more hideous offense than the Bills uh, there. Right after him, in terms of total targets, I do have Chigo Konku, who if you look at any efficiency metric, yards per route run, targets per route run, um, all you know, we go down the list. Ian Harris had a great tweet about it. Chig was first or second in pretty much every efficiency metric. So he deserves to see a huge volume bump from his rookie year. I am projecting him you know, over double the targets he saw last year. And there might be even room for more there. If you know, Kyle Phillips and Akini are that, that useless, maybe he does get up to right now. I have him at 17% target share. He could be one of the few tight ends that does actually climb in that 20% range, given his efficiency uh, of years past. So seven, 16, five touchdowns, nothing to sneeze at. He is currently going ahead of Dalton Schultz, and I, I do like Schultz, as we talked about more, 770, seven touch, touchdowns on more catches, on more volume. So I do prefer Schultz at the same price range, but both these guys, intriguing tight ends. If you wait on the position there in round 12 and 13, maybe you pair them both up and, and see how that plays out for you. The more athletic, more intriguing potential is Chig, but Schultz, I just think, brings a little bit more stability and safety uh, to the position. But that's how I project this team Again, overall, it's Derrick Henry and not much else, but I love Tajay Spears as that handcuff with benefits late. I think he does definitely have an intriguing receiving role with some change of pace work behind Henry. And then if the tragedy does strike, I didn't even mention that Derrick Henry, he's 29. That is where the cliff is definitely most apparent for running backs, 29 into 30 and 30 and beyond, certainly a graveyard for the running back position. So if anyone's going to buck that trend, it is the king, and clearly I expect him to. Falling in late round two and early underdog, one of my highest owned players. I love him. But if he does falter, a lot of these drafts, you typically don't handcuff an underdog in these best ball drafts. I have been sneaking Tajay Spears going around 170 right now as, a again, that last couple rounds, handcuff with benefits. If, if tragedy strikes, 
I don't think Haskins brings anything to the table. I think they just turn it over to Tajay Spears, who does have some very big knee concerns. Apparently, he doesn't even have an ACL in one of his knees. I don't know what that means. I don't know how you don't have an ACL and live and never mind play <laughs> football. I, I actually have a torn ACL myself, and I could get by fine. I'm also not on the NFL field, so I have no idea what that means. But uh, there's definitely a long-term risk to Tajay Spears with that knee concerns. But they're going to apparently ride him while they have him. So I, I like this kid a lot. Outside the running backs, it's really just Traylon Burks and Chig, though, for the passing game. But that's not ever, even though it's low volume, if it's that heavily concentrated on only a couple months, a month's mouths rather, it can really still pan out to some decent fantasy production. So, uh, yeah, that wraps it up. That's my, I think I made made a couple changes. So I'm just going to save those projections. I know it doesn't seem like the most exciting division here with the, AFC South, but again, between Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud, bringing some potential upside to their teams, to Derrick Henry, of course, being the horse that he is, and then the Jags ascending to maybe a top five overall offense in the league. You might want to dismiss the AFC South at first glance, but I think there could be plenty of intriguing fantasy prospects, largely because of those rookies and what they might bring to the table. But that wraps us up here. Thank you, Mohammed. Great to see you, Mohammed. Uh, missed all you regulars like you. Same with Mitch Chavez. Uh, well, how's it going? Hope all is well. Great. Thank you for popping in. All is very well, Mitch. It's summer break for me, so that's always great. But even more exciting, it's summer break on the, the year I'm getting married. So this this weekend's my bachelor party, actually. Uh, a couple of weeks from now, I'll be down getting married. And then I'll be in Greece and Croatia living the best life I've ever possibly imagined uh, with Love my life. So, hey, I, I don't know how I can complain about that. I've got I've got things rolling right now, real life-wise. We've got some great, exciting things in the works for Roto Street this summer as well for when I'm out. Um, so, man, there's, there's some great stuff to make sure you are tuned in at rotostreetjournal.com where we breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Check it out. All my rankings are there. These productions will be available for purchase as well, updated throughout the entire summer as we get more news and get some preseason action we will be updating everything as we go. This is just a first draft. They're one of the only things we do put behind a paywall. So if you want to support your boy, keep the site mostly uh, you know, ad-free. We're experimenting that too. A lot of good, exciting stuff. But if you want to support your boy and you appreciate the content we do, be on the lookout in July for these projections to go live on the site alongside my draft guide, as always. But thank you again for those of you that tuned in at this random lunch hour. So great to see Muhammad, uh, Mitch. If you caught it, not live. Comment in. Let me know you were here. Love to hear from you guys. A thumbs up on your way out would be so greatly appreciated if you like the content. And of course, just check out RotoStreetJournal.com as well as me at RotoStreetWolf. If you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter. I would be happy to answer anything you guys got. All righty, guys. And a roll of offensive sheet. Be that wolf. And we'll see you tomorrow morning, 930. Wrapping up our AFC. We used to have it all. But now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, oh, oh. And wave out to the crowd And take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.